Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. subject of uh, of the talk is the freedom that's available in every moment <clears throat> uh, the um, the talk topic came out of a conversation I was having with a friend um, this week who was uh, sharing about a situation that was happening in his life uh, that he was um, continually stressing about by his own his own uh, admission and and sharing um, and he there was a, a, an opportunity that was being presented to him uh, however um, if or he was he was hoping to have to be accepted for this um, opportunity, this position, um, and uh, either way, his mind was stressing because if he was accepted, it would mean that he'd need to um, drive into San Francisco, perhaps around rush hour time and uh, you know deal with the traffic and the parking and all and it was going to be a bit of a hassle um, but it was something that he really was drawn to do um, so if he got accepted um, he thought of the hassle that it would be and if he didn't get accepted he thought about how painful it would be to be rejected. And as we were talking about it, we agreed uh, this is a no-win situation, isn't it? Mm, There might be another way to approach this. And this is somebody who's uh, been doing meditation practice for uh, for quite some time. But he, he could just see, you know, him... That he was, uh, you know, spinning his wheels, and um, there was going to be a problem either way. But there he was, um, you know, really caught in it. And then he he saw that he was creating um, all of this stress in this no-win situation. And he said, you know, I really want to bring my practice uh, uh, have. Feel that something can help reduce all the stress, and he um, he was encouraged by uh, by another friend. Oh, you know, if you do, uh, if you are starting to exercise a bit more and do some yoga, uh, that might be really helpful. And uh, and also another friend said, you know, if you really um, make the meditation 
a discipline where you're not just sitting for 30 minutes a day, but you're sitting for 45 minutes a day, um, that person found it really helpful, those extra 15 minutes. So my friend was saying, I'm, I'm going to do, do those, and uh, hopefully a lot of this stress will be relieved. And as we were talking, I said, well, I think it's really good to exercise and really good you know, to do yoga, either some way to discharge energy or to get centered. Um, I've been starting to do some, uh, some yoga with, uh, with the teacher in the last uh, uh, month or so, and it's been really great to get back into regular yoga. Um, so I think it's fabulous. I don't know if that necessarily will change that habit that your mind has. It might kind of chill you out so you're not carrying as much stress. Um, and, but it's certainly a really good thing to do. I wonder just if it will address the problem. And then we talked about the f- extra 15 minutes of sitting. Uh, he normally sits about 30 minutes a, uh, a day. And I said, well, you know, definitely a 45-minute sit uh, is, is a good chunk of time. And he was saying, this will calm me down uh, a bit more. And I said, it's really good to calm down. However, again, I'm not so sure that it will scratch the itch if you want 15 more minutes of calming down, um, but your mind is still in a no-win situation with this, and, um, and he realizes that uh, he does this with, with other, um, other situations that come up. I don't know if, if that, will, that will really get to the source, uh, as much as I think meditation is great. Um, I do think meditation is great. <clears throat> But as we, um, as we were talking, and perhaps you get a sense of it just as you know, I'm sharing this, the, the real problem, the real snag, is that um, he's gotten caught in the, what I call the spin cycle of the mind. And there's not a way out of that until you see that the mind is creating this spin cycle. I, I sometimes think of it like a hamster going around on a, on a hamster wheel. You ever see those? I'm sure you have. Uh, and when I see a hamster doing that, I'm, I'm hoping that he's just enjoying the exercise and, and, and uh, getting, getting some, uh, some energy out and just having a good run. But sometimes it occurs to me, if he's trying to get to the end of the wheel, he's going to be doing that for a long time. And that's what we sometimes do in our minds, that um, we keep on 
going around and spinning in our, in our mind and not realizing that we're doing that, that spinning. But if we see that we're on the hamster wheel, there's a whole different perspective that perhaps um, can illuminate. So I wanted to talk about this seeing and this um, interrupting the negative thoughts, particularly that we find ourselves on, and um, the freedom that is available to us when we um, wake up from that predicament. Waking up, the Buddha was called the Buddha, the word Buddha means one who is awake. There was a a famous uh, anecdote after the Buddha was enlightened, when he was first enlightened, and he hadn't uh, shared any teachings yet. And he was walking after spending uh, quite a bit of time just enjoying the freedom of his enlightened heart and mind. Uh, He met somebody on the road and he had a very beautiful, profound demeanor, aura. And this person uh, was really struck by his presence and said, um, wow, you know, are you, are you some kind of a god? And uh, he said, no. He said, well, are you some, uh, some, some other uh, deva, heavenly being? No, no, I'm not. And he said, well, are you, are you a man? And he said, no. And then the fellow said, well, what are you? And he said, uh, I am awake. So rather than fixing it as a noun, oh, this is who I am, it was, this is this field of activity that you can call whatever you want, but I am awake. And people referred to him as the Buddha, which means one who is awake. What does it mean to awaken, or we can say to wake up? What does it mean to wake up? And basically, this is just what I'm talking about, to wake up from the mental fabrications that we create in our mind. Pretty simple. Not so easy. But that is really all the Buddha was talking about. To wake up and see the truth beyond what our mind creates. And it's creating all the time. That simple shift from what 
is often called delusion, living in the stories of our mind and taking this body and mind as some kind of separate self to waking up from that delusion to being free and seeing that you're on, you were on the hamster wheel, this is the shift to the enlightened perspective. Somebody asked, I was trying to remember who it was, uh, some uh, great um, philosopher, um, a Buddhist philosopher, I think. Um, I have to find out who the source was, but somebody asked, well, could you describe the human experience and he said yeah i can describe it in three words lost in thought so the buddha talked about this being lost in thought in in one discourse and i've given a a talk on this so i'll, I'll just reference it now uh this is in in um the Majima, this is the middle length discourses of the Buddha, uh, the Majima Nikaya, Majima middle length. Uh, there's 152 of these in this collection. And this is in uh, Majima uh, number 18, which is called the Honeyball Sutta. And this is what the Buddha says about this predicament. He says, Dependent on the I and forms, I consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. Let's just unpack this. So you have an I, an organ of sight. You have something that you're, an object that you're looking at. And you have consciousness that can understand that experience. And the three of them together, the eye, the organ, the object, and the consciousness, when the three of them come together, you have contact. That means you have a sense experience. And you see something. Seeing is the coming together of those three things. And it's called contact. With me so far? Is that okay? Anybody? Uh, I don't want to lose people along this. It's not. It's not that much to go. But that's what we call seeing is the coming together of those three things: sense organ, object, and consciousness that knows. Okay. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact as a condition, when that happens, there is. Feeling, and in this case, the word feeling is describing the flavor of experience. It's either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Pretty much covers the territory. You see a sight, and it's either a pleasant sight, an unpleasant sight, or a neutral sight. That, in Buddhist psychology, is called feeling. The feeling tone, Vedana the feeling tone of experience, one of those three valences. When one feels, when there's pleasant, unpleasant, whatever, what, what one feels, that 
one perceives. So if you have a, a pleasant sight, say those flowers, um, and all of a sudden you say, hmm, that's pleasant, and then the mind perceives. And perception, again in Buddhist psychology, that perception is the, um, the skanda or uh, aggregate of recognizing what it is. Oh, those are flowers. Those are purple flowers. Are those real flowers? Maybe. Yes, I think they are. But one cat is, is filing away like you've got a huge hard disk, hard drive in here. Okay. Oh, yes, purple flowers. That's a, a big plant of purple flowers. That's bigger than the flowers that I have at home and more purple than the ones I have at home. That's perception. It kind of files away and categorizes or recognizes, I should say. What one perceives, that one thinks about, like I just did. Oh yeah, okay, flowers. And then you start thinking, usually comparing against your other experiences of flowers. What one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. Proliferating meaning one thing leads to another, to another, and there's a kind of mushroom quality. You don't usually just have one thought, if it's anything with any kind of a charge, and say, okay, thought about that, now on to the next perception. Often, you probably have seen this just in the meditation, something comes into your mind, and then you think about it, and then you're off to the races, and somehow you don't know how you got back into junior high, but there you are, you know. (laughs) Or how you got into, what am I going to be when I grow up, just because you heard a song that reminds you of growing up, or whatever. What one has mentally proliferated, with what one has mentally proliferated as the source, perceptions and notions tinged by mental proliferation beset a person with respect to past, future, and present forms cognizable through the eye. That is, once you start proliferating, you will generally think about the past or the future. It gets tripped up in your mind about other things that you've seen, or the mind can go anywhere back in junior high, like we've said. This phenomenon of mental proliferation, some of you are familiar with this, a very um, important word in my vocabulary. It's a great word. It's, um, uh, you know, onomatopoeia. It sounds like it, it is. And the word is 
papancha. Papancha. Try saying it. Papancha. It's got a nice punch to it, right? Like that. Papancha. And you can just feel the, the mushrooming of thought. This is the discourse on papancha. This incredible tendency we have to have something in one sense door lead to loads and loads and loads of thought. A couple of instances in in my own experience. Uh, it's been a while since I've shared this. When I when I was uh, first starting out in high school uh, in New York City, I went to a um, a very um, mm, a, a very good high school. You had to get a, um, a take a test to get in, and at first I didn't think. Not only that I didn't get in, but that if I did get in, I wouldn't want to go to a school that everybody else could get into that. But then all of my friends got in with me, and I thought, okay, well, if they can go, then maybe it's, maybe it's not okay. But it was a rigorous school, and the first, um, within about three weeks or so, um, there was a surprise chem quiz. I'll never forget. Ten questions. Surprise quiz. I got three right. So I got, there was a big 30 on the paper. I can see it to this day. <clears throat> I had never failed anything up till that point. You know, even like, you know, 85 was, you know, 85. How can I get 85? There it was, a big three zero staring me right in the face. And I, I didn't tell my parents that night. <clears throat> I was too freaked out. I tried to process this on my own. Papancha City. <laughs> there I was lying in my bed, sure that I'd be kicked out of high school, sure that I was going to um, uh, just go south as far as school. I'd, lo- I'd be humiliated. I couldn't even show up. And uh, I had myself in those late night hours, you know, when the mind really gets caught. I saw myself uh, in New York. We have, maybe you are familiar with this, the, the, uh, the area called the Bowery. <clears throat> The Bowery, when I, now I think it's an upscale place, I, I think. Uh, in those days, the Bowery was the, uh, the name for where all the uh, alcoholics uh, hung out with their wine bottles, called a Bowery Bum. Actually, I think there, were, there, was, a, there was a company uh, um, ensemble called the Bowery Bums. And there I was from this 30 on the chem quiz. I was on the Bowery, kind of trying to make the best of my bottle of wine in my mind, you know. Okay, well, that's, that's what life is about. There was Papancha. And I see this all the time. I ended up actually doing okay in high school, you know, but I kind of wised up after a while. Uh, 
And uh, I see it all the time. People come in, you do a metta meditation, a guided metta on a retreat, and somebody comes in and says, that metta, my heart was stone. Not an ounce, not an iota of any kind of warmth or kindness. And I know why. Because I can't love. And I know why I can't love. Because I was never loved. And I know why I was never loved. Because I am not lovable. I've had many variations one way or another of this. It sounds kind of, you know, uh, shocking when you take it apart. If you knew how many times I'd had, I've heard variations in one way or another of that. Uh, it just opens the heart. Papancha. So, you didn't get in touch with some kindness or, or uh, metta. All it means is you didn't get in touch with some kindness. It doesn't mean you weren't ever loved it doesn't mean you weren't lovable. But this is what the mind does. Papancha. Now, when I was talking with my friend, we actually um, uh, decided to play a little game. And he was going to try this as a, as a practice. Maybe uh, some of you are, uh, are familiar with my, uh, this game that I played with my mom. Who, uh, if, you, if you haven't heard, my mom uh, who passed away uh, yeah, last year, a little over a year ago, is a YouTube star. Um, and I highly recommend you visiting uh, YouTube and go to Confessions of a Jewish Mother. Uh, and the subtitle is How My, How My Son Ruined My Life. Um, and the way we, uh, the, the way, and it's up to, uh, last I saw it last week, it's up to 288,000 views. Because... She's really funny, so you might check it out. Anyway, we, how I ruined her life was that she was just, she complained most of her life, was, was uh, an expert A1 complainer, and uh, just saw things as negative. And with, uh, when I was down, down in L.A. Writing, uh, um, uh, visiting her, and I was writing the book, Awakening Joy, and I had all of this, um, uh, evidence about how powerful gratitude was, and my mom uh, heard the heard the um, the research, and I said, "Isn't that cool, mom?" And she said, "Yeah, it's it's very impressive." And I said, "Well, you know, what what do you think about having a gratitude practice?" And she said, "I know my life is blessed, but I've been seeing things the glass half empty for a long time, and I don't think I'm." I'm going to be changing now. And then I said, Mom, if you could change, would you change? And she said, yeah, if I could, I would. But, you know, don't hold your breath. Um, and then we came up with this little game, which is going to lead me to this variation with my friend. Every time I said, look, you can say, you can see things two ways. You can say, I know my life is blessed and this TV reception is driving me crazy. Or you can say, 
this TV reception is really lousy, and I know my life is blessed. See the difference? She said, oh yeah, I do see the difference. I said, well, every time you complain, I was going to be down there for a week, I'll just remind you what you said, that your life is blessed. Just, you'll say, if you say, oh, it's so cold here in Marina del Rey, this is, right? (laughs) And I say, and, and you say, and my life is very blessed. And she went for it. We, we laughed the whole week as one complaint after another rolled off her tongue. And each time I caught it, and, oh yeah, and my life is very blessed. And we laughed the whole week. And amazingly, and I write about this in the book, and she shares it on the YouTube, um, it stuck. And the last five years of her life, from 89 until her dying day, her main theme was how blessed she was. Because we played this game and we kept up the game a lot and then she kind of got into the groove. So, as I was sharing my friend, hey, you know that game that I played with, with my mom? We could play you could play another variation in your mind. That every time you start seeing yourself on that hamster wheel and getting more and more stressed, if I'm around, sometimes I'm around this person from time to time, I'll say, and, and you say, papancha. Oh, this, no, what would we say? This is papancha. That's what we came up with. This is papancha. And saying it with a lot of playfulness. So he was, he said, okay, maybe I'll try this on myself. Anytime I start feeling stressed, generally it's the mind creating some stories that kind of frighten us. And if you can remember, and this is papancha. So we're going to see how this works out. It's only been uh, like three or four days since, uh, since we had that conversation. But that is the key to just see what you are creating for yourself. This is, uh, let's see, I've got a few things to share. This is from a great Tibetan, Nyosho Kempo Rinpoche, who says, Rest in natural great peace, this exhausted mind, beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thoughts, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara, rest in natural great peace. Say it once again. Rest in natural great peace. This is his instruction. Once you wake up, rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind, beaten helplessly 
by karma and neurotic thoughts, just habits of mind, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara, rest in natural great peace. That as soon as you wake up from what you're creating inside, ah, what's left? Peace. As soon as you step off the treadmill, the the hamster wheel, and say, oh, wow, that was exhausting. Ah, I don't have to do that. Ah, Natural great peace. This is the power of mindfulness. I wanted to share with you from an essay called The Power of Mindfulness by uh, Nyanapanaka Terra. It was an essay, you can Google it online. This, it was an, this is from a collection of books. Somebody left this book, this book here uh, about a month and a half ago and I said, oh, I used to have that book. Or, not this copy, I, I loved that book. So I've, this is one that I've kept for myself, actually, from our library. Here it is. And there's a, um, um, hopefully it'll be beneficial to everyone, but there's an essay in here called The Power of Mindfulness that's very clear. And this is it. Mindfulness possesses the strength, the capacity for deferring action and applying the brake, for stopping rash interference and for suspending judgment while pausing to observe facts and reflect on, upon them wisely. This is from the Tao Te Ching. He who keeps still and knows where to stop will not meet danger. Or from the Third Zen Patriarch, one of my favorite lines, stop talking and thinking and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. Isn't that true? When you stop trying to figure out Ah, there's n- everything becomes clearer. Mm. All it takes is a moment to stop. And when you think about it, you're either lost in thought or you're here. It's the way I see it, it's like you're it's a binary function. Either here awake or lost in thought. Unfortunately, we spend a lot of time there and not so much here. But when you start to taste what it's like to just be here for your life, it's like, oh, that's a pretty cool place to be. Oh, it's been here all the time. And it's like um, mindfulness becomes uh, a bit like pressing the clear button on the calculator You know, it doesn't matter how complicated the numbers get, even past the E, you press that C, fresh start. Isn't that cool? All it takes is remembering to press the clear button on the calculator or to press the clear button in your mind. And that, hopefully, is what you do when you're meditating And you see you've been gone, as I've mentioned many times, the key moment, the magic moment when you realize you've been gone 
is to realize, oh, I've been gone. Ah, I'm back. How wonderful. If when you see you've been gone, you say, oh, God darn it, I was gone. I really was lost for a long time. This mind will never settle down. God, when am I, how long is this going to take for me to become a good meditator? You've just gone into papancha, haven't you? There it is, that decision point, whether you are clear, fresh start, cool, here we are again. Here's the present moment. Or, God, I'm such a lousy meditator. Blah, 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 blah. Papancha. This is papancha. So that's where the meditation starts to develop that habit of waking up. It's all there in the meditation, how you react to and relate to the fact that your mind is woken up, has, has been lost, I should say. And if it's a celebratory, doesn't have to be a big celebration, can be just a mini, ah, back here again, then you're setting yourself up in that habit in your daily life. Oh, got lost there for the last two hours or three weeks. Ah, here we are again. We can get lost for a long time. And it's really humbling to see how long we can get lost. So it takes some very kind awareness when you see you've been lost not to pile it on. There's a saying in, um, in India says, even a 93-year-old saint isn't safe. You're just one thought away. You know, hey, I think I'm a saint. Whoops, you're not a saint. No. Uh, so, you want to cut yourself a bit of slack and see it's just one moment away getting caught. As I've mentioned many times, even the Buddha, after he was enlightened, there's a whole set of vignettes that where Mara comes and visits the Buddha and each time the Buddha has uh, envisions Mara saying, hey, uh, you're not doing such a good job. You think you're a holy person, whatever. And each time the Buddha in these vignettes says, I see you, Mara. And Mara slinks away. Because each time, once he woke up, completely woke up, those thoughts didn't stick at all. So it's not that you don't have those thoughts, how you relate to those thoughts and say, oh, I see you. I see you, Mara. Mara. This is a a beautiful example of this, uh, the power of this um, waking up from uh, my dear friend Sylvia Borstein, who, who talks about this waking up. This is from Awakening Joy. Um, she tells a story about how becoming aware of what she was thinking helped reframe an experience. One evening when, when she was staying in New York, 
she'd arranged to meet a friend for a theater performance and decided to take a bus to get there. As the bus crept along through the heavy traffic, Sylvia started worrying. I'm going to be late. I'll miss the curtain. My friend will worry about what happened to me. I shouldn't have taken the bus. The subway would have been so much faster. Figuring she could walk faster than the bus was going, Sylvia got off. And of course, as I'm walking, the bus passes me by. And now I'm thinking I should have taken a cab. Sylvia has been meditating for years, but she's also, by her own admission, been fretting for years. So it was an easy reaction to fall into. As she continued her story, she describes running down Broadway in high heels with a cold wind whipping around her. And then, all of a sudden, I have the thought, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm grumbling. That is a moment of mindfulness. Up until then, I was caught up in a habit-driven narrative, papancha, an editorial comment about what was happening. But the moment at which the mind says, oh, Sylvia, you're grumbling, the lens switches, and suddenly the truth of that moment is, I'm a 71-year-old woman running down Broadway in the middle of winter in high heels. That is far out. That is an extremely fortunate thing to be able to do. It changed everything. I felt proud, and I actually hoped a lot of people saw me. (laughs) This is how a moment of waking up changes all of that smallness, all of that struggle, all of that contraction of mind and heart into a moment of freedom. Oh, you were grumbling, dear. That's all. Oh, the mind got snagged. Oh, you're fretting about something that hasn't happened yet. Oh, come back and awake just in this moment. I said I'd read something from Anam Tupton, uh, and I want to, about this. He describes it beautifully. This is a book called The Magic of Awareness. It's a great book. Uh, that's going to be the title of our uh, our day long together, The Magic of Awareness. I love this book. And this is what he says. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's see. Enlightenment is a spiritual epiphany that we can all experience. It is an epiphany when conditioned mind dissolves and suddenly we enter into a whole new reality. Yet it takes just a millisecond to shift from our old frame of mind into this totally new frame of mind. We can use the expression flipping our consciousness to describe it. Flipping our consciousness is like flipping a coin. When we flip a coin, we simply turn it from one side to the other side. It doesn't take any mental process or any effort to see the other side of the coin. It doesn't take a long time. We can flip our consciousness the same way that we flip a coin. And when we do, 
The other side of our conditioned mind is enlightenment. There are only two states of consciousness. There's no third state. One state is enlightened. The other state is not enlightened. That means that either we're deluded or we're completely enlightened. No in-between state. Sounds good, huh? And then just a little bit more. If we hold a strong intention to let go of all of our thoughts, we can witness our consciousness changing, just like flipping a coin. This also happens whenever we focus our attention towards simple things or events in our immediate surrounding, like the flow of the breath, the sound of a dog barking, or even the stillness of, of the chair. The universe is opening countless doors for us. We just lose everything in our mind, and when we do, we suddenly discover that we're residing in this new dimension of mind, and we can dance in the ground of joy, love, bliss, and trust. So, a moment away, however, Something to consider is once you've started on the hamster wheel, there's a certain momentum, particularly if that wheel is fraught with charge, like fear or worry or wanting or obsession. Besides just the thought, our whole body gets into it and the cortisol is shooting through, or we've activated some trauma inside, or there are conditioned patterns of thoughts that start to happen. So this is easier said than done, but it is definitely possible. You want to really honor with compassion with patience, with kindness, this conditioning of the mind. But if you have a commitment, if you see that possibility, if you see, oh, I've just been on a hamster wheel and I can step off and I really need to take care of myself because I got myself worked up here and how can I uh, cool out and come down and and be here again. And as he says, one way is to just come into your body, know that you're breathing, or feel your feet on the ground, or feel yourself sitting in the chair, or even just looking around. Just look around the room for a moment. Okay? Check out, there's so many things to see here. Just let yourself be interested for a moment. And when you do, are you lost in your worries now? Were you lost in your, in your imagined fears? Just kind of coming back to the moment. This is another way to interrupt those thoughts. Pema Chodron has this beautiful line. She says, uh, I love this line. I've said it here a number of times. Take delight in that which sees the dukkha. 
take delight in that which sees that you're on a hamster wheel instead of, oh gosh, I'm on the hamster wheel again. (gasps) There's an awareness that sees I've been on a hamster wheel. How cool. I see it. It's like, I see you, Mara. Take delight in it. Like I said before, celebrate a little bit. Ah, I'm seeing it. Because each time you have that mm, response, you are deconditioning the habit of beating yourself up for having been lost. So, every time when you're in that space, there's a moment of freedom. There's a moment of ease. There's a moment of openness. Ah, here we are again. It's free. It's clear. There's nothing that you need to construct or, or manipulate or maintain. It's just, ah, here is a moment of life. I've woken up. I am awake. The Buddha in your side, inside has just come up. So I want to ask you, just for a moment, um, I invite you to reflect. Go inside. And maybe um, think of times a time where you might get caught, if that ever happens. And either what do you use to wake up or what could you use as a practice to wake up? What could you remind yourself in that moment where you've really spun your wheels from the wisest part of you, what could you say? What could you remind yourself? No matter how long you've been gone or where you've been gone to, there's great wisdom inside. What could you tell yourself, remind yourself? What do you... And then just imagine that scenario playing out where all of a sudden you did wake up. You saw that you were lost and then you just reminded yourself, oh, I don't have to be on the hamster wheel. Imagine what that feels like. Oh, I've just stepped off all the space in the mind and the heart, all the energy that you're not expending anymore. This is a moment of freedom. Flipping your consciousness in a moment, you can come right into your true nature. How wonderful. And it's here in every single moment, just waiting for you to remember.
So we just have a few minutes if anything has come up from that, if you want to ask a question or make a comment. Yes, let's see. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Andrew is our... Um, there she is. Yeah. We'll be finished in just a moment, and then we'll do some uh, loving kindness to end. Yeah. I just uh, wanted to mention, to remind myself, that the uh, cortisol and hormonal responses last only a short time from the initial papancha. And... Um, I would like to just allow that response to take its course over that 30 seconds and realize that I don't have to keep going. Mm, beautiful. Yes, it was a, a recently studied that said emotions actually last about 90 seconds if we don't feed them. They kind of come through, and then they go, or turn into something else, unless papancha. Then they can be around for a long time. Yeah. So, beautiful. It just lasts. This is just ride the wave like that. Thank you. Anything else? No. Going once. Going twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Billy. So I've noticed some more gross conditionings, some conditionings that are a lot easier to see. Mm-hmm. But then, put a little closer. oh, so yeah. but then also there are some conditionings that are, you know, a little more subtle. And you know, uh, I kind of think of think of it as going like deeper into the cave, kind of. And yeah, you know, is there a point where it just I don't know. Yes. So uh, the, for the deeper ones, is these thoughts, relatively superficial thoughts, and then there's some really deep-seated thoughts. Uh, thank you for asking that. And it's true. Um, besides just the, the thoughts, there are belief systems that are deep inside of us. And in fact, uh, I, I've shared that Uh, I've shared it in here. My main practice, what I say to myself when I get caught, um, sometimes I'll say it, what thought, and sometimes I'll say, what story am I believing right now? And when you're first doing this investigation, if you are really honest and keep on peeling away the layers, you might get in touch with some story about yourself, about others, about life, it's not going to work out, or I'm not good enough, or whatever it is. If you keep examining those stories, or, or get in touch with the fact, oh, this is a story, a real, um, a concretized belief that as soon as you see, oh, is that story true? And you start questioning when it comes up. It, it takes more excavation uh, but, or, or more uh, deeper work in digging. But how wonderful to see that. 
And that's where you have to be really patient with the process. But just like my mother believing that, you know, the glass is half empty and she kept on with that habit the last five years of her life, her last words that she asked me to read at my at her memorial service were, I don't know how my life was so blessed. Blessed. It's such a small word and it means everything. This is after a lifetime of believing that things aren't working out and what's wrong with it. So... Not to think, oh, because it's been so deep-seated, it can't be changed. It takes a lot more consciousness, but it's, I mean, what's your alternative to live in that belief system? So be very kind and patient. And as you do, your own process becomes a gift to everybody else because you can be there and seeing, oh, how they're stuck in their stories. And you can say, yeah, it's really possible. Okay, we should close with a loving kindness, just a short loving kindness. Uh, and just to feel how, um, how fortunate to have us all love the truth together. And here we are supporting each other in that. And appreciate yourself and your good fortune that you can hear that call and love the truth inside and wish yourself well. May I see all the goodness inside and feel the love inside and share it well. May I wake up from my confusions and see clearly And then to extend that to everyone, everyone here and all beings everywhere. May all beings wake up from their confusion and see their true nature. And may all beings know the highest happiness and peace. And may our coming here together be um, of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you very much for your attention. May you see through your papancha with humor and compassion. Papancha, gone, freedom here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.